It's Daily Thunder, thundering out the truth of Jesus Christ live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more about our discipleship programs or to support this podcast, visit ellerslie.com. Today, we have a special guest speaker on campus, so buckle your seatbelts. I'm going to be doing the next psalm in the, the Song of Ascents, so you can turn to Psalm 125. And just a, kind of a, a, as a recap of the Psalm of Ascents, um, we've been doing them on Saturday mornings, and I think it's been talked about before, but there's not a whole lot of context going on here. It's a little bit hard to know what this was all used for, what it was uh, intended for exactly. Um, some of the Psalms, are st- they clarify who wrote it. The one I'm doing does not, so there's n- I don't know who wrote this one, but someone amazing, obviously. But I'm going to go ahead and read um, Psalm 125, and then I'll jump into some, some stuff here. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surrounds, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. From this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of w- wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous reach out their hand to iniquity. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. As for such as turn aside to the crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them away with the works, workers of iniquity. So, as I was studying this, there's um, some tradition or some culture that would give some idea to what, this was, what these psalms were used for. Um, and I wrote a few things down about that. Um, it's interesting to note that, that uh, Jerusalem is up, up on a hill, so, um, and as it's, as, the, as, it's, as it's called, the Song of Ascents, as you're going up to the Jerusalem, up to Mount Zion, as they would call it, you would be seeing the mountains. You'd be both sides. You'd be looking up at it. Um, so that's interesting to note. Um, it says, uh, Jews traveling to Jerusalem for one of the three main annual Jewish festivals traditionally sang these songs on the ascent, or the uphill road, um, to the city. And then according to some traditions, uh, the Jewish priests would sing these songs um, as they walked up the steps to the temple. Um, <clears throat> these psalms were later grouped together for the use in traveling towards Jerusalem for the yearly Jewish, Jewish festivals, which I think is actually more, more current. Like, that's what it's more, more recently used for. Um, but again, we don't really know what the actual intent was. This is just tradition and culture um, giving us an idea of what's going on here. Um, I grouped the psalm into kind of three uh, kind of uh, headings or three different... Um, I guess, sections. The first one I put down as the promise. Um, and then the middle one, uh, which is verse 4, I have down as the plea. And then the last verse is the, the consequence. So the, the promise. Um, and I'll just read that. Those who trust in the Lord are as Mount Zion, or are immovable, which cannot be moved, as it says later, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest in the land of the righteous, so the righteous will not reach out their hands to do wrong. That's the promise. 
saying if those that trust in the Lord are going to be as Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, so it's a promise. And then the plea, do good, O Lord, to those who are good, to those who are upright in their hearts. So then there's the promise, there's the plea, and then there's a consequence to those who don't trust. But as for those who turn aside to their crooked ways in unresponsiveness to God, the Lord will lead them away with those who do evil, and then peace be upon Israel. So it's, it's interesting how the, the psalmist starts out with, all right, this is who God is, this is the promise, and then there's a plea for, all right, God, carry out this promise as you, as you said, and then there's a consequence. So I'm going to kind of jump ahead here a little bit in my notes and kind of suggest that, or, or kind of say that, that there is a command to trust the Lord. And if you look at kind of this psalm, it's making a declaration. Those that trust, this is who they are. This is their, this is, this is their position, if you want to say it that way. But I'm going to go look at a little further and go, I believe it's a command to trust the Lord. And so I'm going to read some verses that talk about, that actually then would kind of back that up. So in Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8, and you don't have to turn there, but you can if you like. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Psalm 9, verse 10, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those, those who seek you. Psalm 118, 8 and, 8, through 8 and 9. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in men. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. And then there's a little, uh, first part of Isaiah 26 I want to read. In that day the song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He's, he sets up salvation as walls and ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter that the one that remains faithful and trust, trustworthy, you will keep in perfect, consistent peace the one whose mind is steadfast, that is, committed and focused on you in both inclination and character, because he trusts and take refuge, takes refuge in you with hope and confidence. Trust confidently in the Lord forever. He is your fortress, your shield, and your banner. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock, the rock of ages. So that's the first part of, of Isaiah 26. And then, and in a very interesting way, Isaiah then goes into the consequence in some ways, just like the psalmist did, of those that don't trust. It says, For he has thrown down the arrogant ones who dwell on high and lofty and inaccessible city. He lays it low. He lays it low to the ground. He hurls it to the dust. The foot will trample it, even the feet of the suffering and the steps of the, of the helpless. So there's that command. This is the command, I believe, is, is being brought out. Trust in the Lord. Um, there's, there's more verses I didn't even 
put them all down, that, taught, that have the idea of trusting. Or not even necessarily trusting, but then um, having hope in. There's also then the whole side of hoping in the Lord, which I didn't put down. I didn't have uh, time to do that. So the command is to trust the Lord. But this is what, this is what gets me excited. <clears throat> we can trust the Lord because of who our God is. And so now I want to focus on a little bit who God is in this passage and then just in, in talking about these different verses about trusting. So the word God um, says, Do good, O Lord. Um, in verse 4, it talks about in verse 1, Trust in the Lord. Um, so the Lord surrounds his people. That is Yahweh. It's the, the, na- the, the right name or the correct name of God. Um, and just a recap of what that name means. The unchanging, eternal, self-existing, the I am that I am, or the covenant-keeping God. And so, Exodus 3, uh, 14 and 15 talks about the I am that I am. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent you. God furthermore said to Moses, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. So there's God declaring who he is and that he will not change. And I love how in that name Yahweh has the, the, unchange, the definition is unchanging eternal. And so then I was thinking, okay, well, how can we know that that's correct? Well, so God says he can't lie. So we know that is a fact as well. Um, Titus 1 verse 2, because in, in the hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So there's, there's a declaration that God cannot lie. Hebrews 6.18 says that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope set before us. And so we have this confidence. We know that God cannot lie. We know he does not change. His, his, in, just in his name alone says it doesn't, it's, it's the definition. And so therefore we can have complete trust. We can completely rest upon the fact that, okay, the command is to trust, but why can we trust? Because God has promised God has given us promises, and he doesn't change. Okay, so that's just like a kind of a baseline. And then I'm going to read a, a passage in Genesis 15 about Abraham. <clears throat> and he took, God talking to Abraham, and he took him outside and said, Now look toward heaven, look toward the heavens, and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And this is the key verse. Then he believed the Lord, or trusted in the Lord, that what he said is true. And he, reckoned, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur, the Chaldees, to give you this land, to possess it. So because um, Abraham trusts the Lord, or believed the Lord, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he could do that because of who God, who his God was. So there's this command to trust. And there's there's, uh, these, there's this kind of this blessing that comes to those that trust. There's this uh, peace. There's a, an assurance. <clears throat> and if you look through the Old Testament, 
at just different accounts of the Israelites um, in their journey from, it, from Egypt to the Promised Land, or just in other instances throughout their history, you see over and over again where they would trust the Lord, they would believe the Lord, things would go well for them, the Lord would bless them, He would um, exalt them, He'd give them victory over other nations, and then without even any, like, without even blinking an eye, they would just like, no, the Lord must have forgotten us, you know, the, the <laughs> they made that golden image, and like, well, they, they, they forgot completely the Lord had brought them out of, out of Egypt, they just completely forgot, or maybe they didn't forget, maybe they just didn't want, want to be under the Lord's, Lord's rule. But anyway, so there's consequences as well for those that don't, that don't trust or don't believe the Lord. And I just want to read a few or just two instances here that um, really very clearly show that. And the first one's in Deuteronomy 1, 32 through 36. <clears throat> and this, is, I believe, is, um, let me see here. I'm thinking this is um, after the, the spies came back, I believe. But as for you, but, as, but, f- but for all this, you did not trust the Lord your God, who goes before you on, the way, on your way, to seek out a place for you to, to encamp, in fire by night and a cloud by day, to show you the way in which you should go. Then the Lord heard the sound of your words, and he was angry, and he took an oath, saying, Not one of these men... This evil generation shall see the good land which I swore to give your fathers, except Caleb, the son of Jephthah. <clears throat> he shall see it, and to him and his sons I will give the land on which he has set foot, because he has followed the Lord fully. And it's interesting that followed has a similar idea to trust, to believe, to put your confidence in without wavering in your assurance. Perfect story right there. Those that didn't trust the Lord, the Lord punished them. Said, "Nope, you can't, you can't come to this land that I promised you guys." Um, and then that one, then one guy, Caleb, and, and the son of or Caleb, he was faithful. He's like, "Nope, I believe what the Lord's promised is true. Therefore, I'm going to um, trust Him completely." And it says he followed the Lord fully. <clears throat> the next, uh, the next story is in Numbers twenty. <clears throat> excuse me, verse eight through twelve. And this is where Moses um, disobeys the Lord and hits the rock twice instead of speaking to it, which is a f- kind of interesting story in all of itself. Take the rod and your brother Aaron and assemble the congregation and speak to the rock before their eyes, that it may yield its water. You shall thus bring forth water for them out of the rock and let the congregation and their beasts drink. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord just as he had commanded, commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock, and he said to them, Listen now, you rebels. Shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came forth abundantly, and the congregation and their beasts drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you have not believed me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. I mean, that's just like, a, the Moses was so close with a friend of the friend of God, he was like, literally talked to him as a friend talks to 
another friend, yet he goes and disobeys the Lord and doesn't trust that what the Lord said was going to happen. He thought he had to strike it twice like he had done in times past, or that one at a time. And he didn't trust the Lord, so therefore there was a consequence. He, he wasn't, he wasn't going to take these people into the promised land. And I find that just incredibly sobering to think about, for just for myself, with this whole idea of the command to trust, and how quickly and how easily I can just let the circumstances take control of my mind. And so that's kind of my, I guess, my main, I guess kind of the main point of this this morning is the command is to trust, but we don't have just a random command that has no weight behind it. I, I was thinking about um, so often we bring God down to our level and we say, well, here's my problem. Here's, here's God. I've got to bring him down here. God, my problem's so big. My situation's so impossible. How can I trust you? And we don't realize that God is so absolutely apart, set apart from us. He is altogether not like us. And the, the greatest problem or difficulty that I can face is nothing to God. He cares about it. He cares about the sparrow, which is worthless in the sight of, in comparison to creation. Um, yeah, he cares about that. He cares about the smallest thing. And yet, God is so much bigger, so much more powerful, and it doesn't faze him. And so, and obviously as this whole, this is kind of the subject of the, of the time, is this virus being ever-present. <clears throat> I was thinking about this the other day, and I was like, I cannot imagine what it must feel like for individuals to wake up every morning and go, maybe have, have like this hopelessness about them, like, this fear, this panic that you have to go to the Costco, the Sam's Club this morning to wait for stuff or to, like, I can't imagine having that kind of panic in me. Like, I just don't. And maybe it's partly my personality, but yet I can still feel it. I still feel the, the, the tendency to want to prepare for the worst, you know, so forth. And yet waking up every morning and going, all right, Lord, you're in control of today. This is your day. This is not my day. This is, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go well. Whatever happens is going to be good. Having that kind of confidence is incredible. And so when people do that, when they, when, they're, when they bring God down to their level, if God was truly that small, that would be terrifying. That would be hopeless. Like, I can't even imagine. <laughs> and so just going back and, and just like looking at and, and like studying this whole idea of Yahweh, who God is, kind of brings perspective to this whole idea of trust, and not just trust, but, but belief in, reliance upon. And so, something that uh, I was reading in Mark the other day, that I think ties into this very well. It's in Mark 13, verse 31. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And so, in the time of not only political unrest, but local unrest with just all kinds of stuff, in, including and beyond the, the virus, but just in general, we have nothing to fear. I mean, we all know that there's all those verses for every day of not fearing. But that comes, but not fearing is first putting our trust into something or someone. 
and that is God. And so therefore we don't have to fear because of our, where our trust is in. And so yeah, heaven and earth is going to pass away. But, you know, if the worst comes to worst, the virus kills everyone, hey, the word of God's still there. I mean, the word of God's still true, and it doesn't change. And so just thinking about that and just realizing, yeah, we need to have wisdom. Yes, we need to be wise and help and be, you know, concerned for those that, you know, help people. But God's still the same. He doesn't change. He's, he's, he's God. His word doesn't change. We can really have a lot of confidence. And so, <clears throat> I guess I like to, like to kind of conclude this all with. So, the command is to, tr- is to trust. We can because of who our God is. Everything might pass away. Everything might, and it someday will, be dissolved, and the Lord will return. That's, gonna, that's a promise. It's going to happen someday. So, our trust does need to be in the Lord, and it can and should be because we have every reason to because of who our God is. Philippians 2, verse 13. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So to remember that we have the spirit of God in us. So it's not, we're not helpless. So the time when we think, how in the world am I ever going to have no fear about this or have trust in the Lord for this? Even though I might know all the truth, but it's the spirit of God in us that is both to will and to work. He's there helping us given us that extra strength, if you want to say it that way. So, I love how the psalmist begins with, with the promise of the Lord. This is the promise. And yes, there's a consequence. But the promise is in who God is. And so therefore, we can trust. So, let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word, which will not pass away. Father, thank you that we can truly be men and women with whom the Spirit of God dwells and that we can be at peace in a, in a time when there's literally unpeace everywhere. There's just a lot of fear. And Father, I pray that we would be wise. And Father, yet I pray that we would be examples of what it really does look like for those that trust the Lord fully. That we would be <clears throat> not just trusting you with our minds and just saying, you know, yes, I trust, but that we would be actually resting our full weight upon you every single day, even when the difficulty seems too big. That we, that we would remember that it is, it's your spirit in us that helps us. Father, that we would st- stand upon that. Thank you, Father, for this morning. And thank you f- that, you're, that you're in heaven that you are here with us as well, that you do not fear and that you are not phased by anything, Lord. So, Lord, we trust you today. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily weekdays at 8.15 a.m. and weekends at 9.15 a.m. Join us at live.ellersley.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellersley campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening.